Section 31 of the French Revolution by Thomas Carlyle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Allen. The French Revolution by Thomas Carlyle. Volume 1, Book 5, Chapter 5. Give Us Arms. On Monday, the huge city has awoke, not to its weekday industry, but what a different one. The working man has become a fighting man, has one want only, that of arms. The industry of all crafts has paused, except it be the smiths, fiercely hammering pikes, and in a faint degree, the kitcheners cooking off-hand victuals, or boucher batoujour. Women, too, are sewing cockades, not now of green, which being d'Artois' color, the Hôtel de Ville has had to interfere in it, but of red and blue are old Paris colors. These, once based on a ground of constitutional white, are the famed tricolors, which, if prophecy err not, will go round the world. All shops, unless it be the bakers and vintners, are shut. Paris is in the streets, rushing, foaming, like some Venice wine-glass into which you had dropped poison. The toxin, by order, is peeling madly from all steeples. Arms! Ye elector municipals! Thou flicel with thy eschvin! Give us arms! Flicel gives what he can, fallacious, perhaps insidious promises of arms from Charville. Order to seek arms here, order to seek them there. The new municipals give what they can, some three hundred and sixty indifferent firelocks, the equipment of the city watch. A man in wooden shoes and without coat directly clutches one of them and mounts guard. Also, as hinted, an order to all smiths to make pikes with their whole soul. Heads of districts are in fervent consultation. Subordinate patriotism roams distracted, ravenous for arms. Hitherto, at the Hôtel de Ville, was only such modicum of indifferent fireworks as we have seen. At the so-called arsenal, there lies nothing but rust, rubbish, and saltpetre, overlooked, too, by the guns of the Bastille, His Majesty's repository, what they call Garde Mouib, is forced and ransacked, tapestries enough, and gauderies, but of serviceable fighting gear, small stock. Two silver-mounted cannons there are, an ancient gift from His Majesty of Siam to Louis the Fourteenth, gilded sword of the good Henri, antique chivalry arms and armor. These and such as these, a necessitous patriotism snatches greedily for want of better. The Siamese cannons go trundling on an errand they were not meant for. Among the indifferent firelocks are seen tourney lances, the princely helm and hauberk glittering amid ill-hatted heads, as in a time when all times and their possessions are suddenly sent jumbling. At the Maison de Saint-Lazare, Lazar House once, now a correction house with priests, there was no trace of arms, but, on the other hand, horn, plainly to a culpable extent. Out with it, to market, in this scarcity of grains? Heavens! Will fifty-two carts, in long row, hardly carry it to Hallock Bled? Well, 
Truly, ye reverend fathers, was your pantry filled. Fat are your larders, over-generous your wine-bins, ye plotting exasperators of the poor, traitorous forstallers of bread. Vain is protesting, entreaty on bare knees. The house of St. Lazarus has that in it, which comes not out by protesting. Behold how, from every window it vomits, mere torrents of furniture, of bellowing and hurly-burly, the cellars also leaking wine, till, as was natural, smoke rose, kindled, some say, by the desperate St. Lazarites themselves, desperate of other riddance, and the establishment vanished from this world in flames. Remark, nevertheless, that a thief, set on or not by aristocrats, being detected there, is instantly hanged. Look at the Chatelet prison. The debtor's prison of La Force is broken from without, and they that sat in bondage to aristocrats go free, hearing of which the felons at the Chatelet do likewise dig up their pavement and stand on the offensive with the best prospects, had not patriotism passing that way fired a volley into the felon world and crushed it down again under hatches. Patriotism consorts not with thieving and felony. Surely also punishment this day hitches, if she still hitch, after crime, with frightful shoes of swiftness. Some score or two of wretched persons, found prostrate with drink in the cellars of that same Lazare, are indignantly haled to prison. The jailer has no room, whereupon, other place of security, not suggesting itself, it is written, on les pendis, they hang them. Brief is the word, not without significance, be it true or untrue. In such circumstances, the aristocrat, the unpatriotic rich man, is packing up for departure. But he shall not get departed. A wooden-shod force has seized all barriers, burnt or not. All that enters, all that seeks to issue, is stopped there, and dragged to the Hôtel de Ville. Coaches, tumbrils, plate, furniture, many meal sacks. In time, even flocks and herds encumber the palace de grieve. And so it roars and rages and brays, drums beating, steeples peeling, friars rushing with handbells. Quote, Oyez, Oyez, all men to their districts to be enrolled. Unquote. The districts have met in gardens. Open squares are getting marshaled into volunteer troops. No red-hot ball has yet fallen from Besenval's camp. On the contrary, deserters with their arms are continually dropping in. Nay now, joy of joys! At two in the afternoon, the garde Francais, being ordered to send a knee, and flatly declining, have come over in a body. It is a fact worth many. Three thousand six hundred of the best fighting men with complete accoutrement, with cannoneers even, and cannon, their officers are left standing alone, could not so much as succeed in spiking the guns. The very Swiss, it may now be hoped, Chateau Vieux and the others will have doubts about fighting. Our Parisian militia, which some think it were better to name National Guard, is prospering as heart could wish. It promised to be 48,000, but will in a few hours double and quadruple that number. Invincible, if we had only arms. Let's see, the promised Charleville boxes, marked artillery. Here then are arms enough. 
conceived the blank face of patriotism when it found them filled with rags, foul linen, candle-ends, and bits of wood. Provost of the merchants, how is this? Neither at the Chartreux convent, whither we were sent with signed order, is there, or ever was there, any weapon of war. Nay, here, in the Seine boat, safe under tarpaulings, had not the nose of patriotism been of the finest? Are five thousand weight of gunpowder not coming in, but surreptitiously going out? What meanst thou, Flacelles? Tis a ticklish game, that of amusing us. Cat plays with captive mouse, but mouse with enraged cat, with enraged national tiger. Meanwhile, the faster, O ye black-aproned smiths, smite with strong arm and willing heart. This man and that, all stroke from head to heel, shall thunder alternating, and ply the great forge-hammer, till stithy reel and ring again, while ever and anon, overhead, booms the alarm-cannon. For the city has now got gunpowder, pikes are fabricated, fifty thousand of them, in six and thirty hours. Judge whether the black-aproned have been idle. Dig trenches! Unpave the streets, ye others, assiduous, man and maid, cram the earth in barrel barricades, at each of them volunteer sentry. Pile the white stone in window sills and upper rooms. Have scalding pitch, at least boiling water ready, ye weak old women, to pour it and dash it on royal alamand. With your old skinny arms, your shrill curses along with it will not be wanting. Patrols of the newborn National Guard bearing torches scour the streets all that night, which otherwise are vacant, yet illuminated in every window by order, strange-looking like some naphtha-lighted city of the dead, with here and there a flight of perturbed ghosts. O oh, poor mortals, how you make this earth bitter for each other, this fearful and wonderful life, fearful and horrible, and Satan has his place in all hearts. Such agonies and ragings and wailings ye have, and have had, in all times, to be buried all in so deep silence, and the salt sea is not swollen with your tears. Great, meanwhile, is the moment when tidings of freedom reach us, when the long-enthralled soul from amid its chains and squalid stagnancy arises. Were it still only in blindness and bewilderment, and swears by him that made it, that it will be free, free. Understand that well. It is the deep commandment, dimmer or clearer, of our whole being to be free. Freedom is the one purport, wisely aimed at or unwisely, of all man's struggles, toilings, and sufferings in this earth. Yes, supreme is such a moment, if thou have known it. First vision, as of a flame-girt Sinai, and this our waste pilgrimage, which thenceforth wants not its pillar of cloud by day, and pillar of fire by night. Something it is, even, nay, something considerable, when the chains have grown corrosive, poisonous, to be free from oppression by our fellow man. Forward, ye maddened sons of France, be it towards this destiny or towards that, Around you is but starvation, falsehood, corruption, and the calm of death. Where ye are is no abiding. Imagination 
may imperfectly figure how commandant benceval in the champs de mars has worn out these sorrowful hours insurrection all around his men melting away from versailles to the most pressing messages comes no answer or once only some vague word or answer which is worse than none a council of officers can decide merely that there is no decision colonels inform him weeping that they do not think their men will fight cruel uncertainty is here war god brogli sits yonder inaccessible in his olympus does not descend terror-clad does not produce his whiff of grape-shot sends no orders truly in the chateau of versailles all seems mystery in the town of versailles were we there all is rumour alarm and indignation an august national assembly sits to appearance menaced with death endeavouring to defy death it is resolved that necker carries with him the regrets of the nation it has sent solemn deputation over to the chateau with entreaty to have these troops withdrawn in vain his majesty with a singular composure invites us to be busy rather with our own duty making the constitution foreign pandours and such like go pricking and prancing with a swashbuckler air with an eye too probably to the salle de menu were it not for the grim-looking countenances that crowd all avenues there be firm ye national senators the sinusure of a firm grim-looking people the august national senators determine that there shall at least be permanent session till this thing end wherein however consider that worthy lefranc de pompignon our new president whom we have named bailey successor is an old man wearied with many things he is the brother of that pompignon who meditated lamentably on the book of lamentations pourquoi jérôme c'est le monde toute sa vie c'est qu'il a prévoyé que pompignon de tradire poor bishop pompignon withdraws having got lafayette for helper or substitute this latter as nocturnal vice-president with a thin house in disconsolate humour sits sleepless with lights unsnuffed waiting what the hours will bring so at versailles but at Paris, agitated Bensonville, before retiring for the night, has stepped over to old Monsieur de Sombriot of the Hôtel des Invalides. Hard by Monsieur Sombriot has what is a great secret. Some eight and twenty thousand stand of muskets deposited in his cellar there, but no trust in the temper of his Invalides. This day, for example, he sent twenty of the fellows down to unscrew those muskets lest sedition might snatch at them but scarcely in six hours had the twenty unscrewed twenty gun-locks or dogs heads chien of locks each invalide is dog's head if ordered to fire they would he imagines turn their cannon against himself unfortunate old military gentlemen it is your hour not of glory old marquis de lugne too of the bastille has pulled up his drawbridges long since and retired into his interior 
with sentries walking on his battlements under the midnight sky, aloft over the glare of illuminated Paris, whom a national patrol passing that way takes the liberty of firing at. Seven shots toward twelve at night, which do not take effect. This was the thirteenth day of July, 1789. A worse day, many said, than the last thirteenth was, when only hail fell out of heaven. Not madness rose out of Tophet, ruining worse than crops. In these same days, as chronology will teach us, hot old Marquis Mirabeau lived stricken down at Argentuil, not within sound of these alarm guns, for he properly is not there, and only the body of him now lies, deaf and cold forever. It was on Saturday night that he, drawing his last life breaths, gave up the ghost there, leaving a world which would never go to his mind, now broken out, seemingly, into deliration and the culbut general. What is it to him, departing elsewhither, on his long journey, the old Chateau Mirabeau stands silent, far off, on its scarped rock, in that gorge of two windy valleys, a pale fading spectre now of a chateau. This huge world riot, and France, and the world itself, fades also, like a shadow on the great still mirror sea, and all shall be as God wills. Young Mirabeau, sad of heart, for he loved this crabbed brave old father, sad of heart and occupied with sad cares, is withdrawn from public history. The great crisis transacts itself without him. End of section 31